So I just think it's like anything else. I mean, people know what they know, and to do something that seems completely different is just, it can be hard to get off the mark and do that. Hello again. This is the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This is Lisa Gonzalez. David Talbot, a fellow at Harvard's Berkman Center, joins Chris this week to discuss their most recent report about the community of Holyoke, Massachusetts. The report dives into how the community built its municipal network, how it has capitalized on the asset for savings and economic development, and it offers valuable suggestions for other communities with an interest in municipal networks. We encourage you to download and read the full report at cyber.law.harvard.edu. Now here to talk about Holyoke, Massachusetts, municipal broadband networks, and the new Berkman Report is Chris and David Talbot. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell. Today I'm speaking with David Talbot, a fellow at the Berkman Center for Internet and Society at Harvard University. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. And that was good on the Harvard. <laughs> I understand you have a POC there. Yeah, we do. We have a couple of packs, and we put the CAS over there, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're running a project called the Municipal Fiber Initiative. Now, for people who aren't aware, Harvard is a, a university, I believe, right? That is correct. Yeah, fairly well known. Um, and it has this Berkman Center, which actually just, uh, I, I think it's it's um, not as well known as it should be. It's produced a number of great studies. And uh, and one I think a lot of people were aware of was around the time of the National Broadband Plan before you were at Berkman. Uh, there was a study about open access and unbundling requirements around the world that I still think of as a definitive paper on the subject. Uh, so been around for a long time. Tell me about this municipal fiber initiative. The idea in setting it up was to help initially municipalities in the state of Massachusetts understand what their connectivity options are. Um, there's a lot going on in the state as there is nationally. Uh, most of it has to do with the 123 towns in the western, mostly in the western part of the state that just had a big middle mile backbone built for them. And there's a lot of activity around that. But that's just one part of what's going on in the state. Um, and outside of that context, it's less clear what municipalities um, should be doing. Um, so we're just trying to do add some more research to the, um, to the field. And, and part of that means doing case studies on what the few municipal uh, governments that have done fiber networks and internet access, you know, what they've actually done and, and how well they've, they've done at it. Right, and, and this really looks, I think, as you mentioned, the, the western Massachusetts areas. Uh, you know, For people who aren't familiar, we talked about this about three months ago with Monica Webb. We've talked about it with multiple folks. In fact, we've had Holyoke on the show themselves. Um, and, and it's just western Massachusetts is, is quite rural, uh, has uh, these um, you know, mountains that are large hills, if you're from the Rockies, I guess. But they're, they're certainly disruptive in terms of topology. And uh, and it's a, a unique challenge, I think, uh, for Massachusetts. Um, and so you've released this report on how one town, and, and indeed how many towns uh, you've also profiled, but it really focuses on one town. It's called A Massachusetts Municipal Light Plant Seizes Internet Access Business Opportunities. Correct. Right. And you're referring to our Holyoke study, and it's probably worth just mentioning that there was an earlier study done by Susan Crawford and Robin Moore on one of these actual rural towns that you were just uh, setting up called Leverett, which is doing a fiber-to-the-home build-out. 
Holyoke is actually quite a bit different than that, um, and it's it's a municipal life plant that's been around for more than 100 years and has actually been doing this for quite a long time, and, and it really has nothing to do with the middle mile backbone that the state built. This is this is one of the 41 municipal light plants that, that has been in the electricity business um, and is one of 10 in the state that are actually doing Internet access. To my knowledge, there's never been a deep dive done on you know, how well have any of these 10 actually done and really just walk the reader through what they did, how they did it, and how it all went. And the idea here was to chronicle this and uh, for the benefit of any of the others who might want to, um, you know, either expand what they're doing or, or start starting the business um, anew. And for people who aren't aware, a municipal light plant is what Massachusetts calls a uh, municipal public power provider or an electric department or um, electric plant board, depending on what part of the country you're from. But fundamentally, it's a city-owned municipal electric. That's correct. Yep. And Holyoke is one of those, as you've described. And it's one of the outliers in that in the late 90s, they actually did go into the internet access business where most of their counterparts didn't, um, which is a kind of a still a mystery to me why some did and some didn't. There's a couple cases where there was a clear you know, gap in service. Um, I guess they all had gaps in service, but some were particularly um, striking. So it was a, a clearer argument for going into this, and Shrewsbury was one of those. Um, you know, Holyoke had the, the usual DSL cable uh, offerings, and what they did was they they built a fiber ring for their municipal government first and then started serving businesses. But the initial driver was to put in fiber to substations for the electrical utility, which is what many of them have done. But, you know, why they then went into offering this for businesses is, um, is a more idiosyncratic story and quite an interesting one. Over the past 15 years, they've come to serve 300 um, businesses of all sizes, including a number of large institutions, and they've done quite well. Um, And they've also saved the city quite a bit of money by doing a number of networking services for the city. You know, one of the things that that I try to do is um, is admit when I'm wrong about things, and um, I've been critical of projects like the Mass Broadband um, Project, uh, these state middle mile uh, approaches, in part because I think there's often a unreasonable expectation that it will result in last mile investment if there's good middle mile problem, if there's good middle mile availability. I think that's um, an incorrect analysis. But in this case, you document a couple of ways in which uh, Holyoke is able to help nearby communities because of that mass broadband network that was built uh, in part with stimulus dollars. That's correct. So first, just to square away what they did before they started extending using that network is that they the, some of the key findings were that they saved the city about $300,000 a year in various networking services. Um, and they're serving 300 businesses, and their revenue is growing, which is different than what electricity revenues are doing, and they're actually making profits on the telecom side. Um, but to your point, so here's this um, state middle mile backbone that you mentioned that, that goes through Holyoke. Um, it kind of, you know, Holyoke already had a network, but then here comes this middle mile backbone, and it goes through Holyoke and up Interstate 91, and one of the communities it goes through is Greenfield, Massachusetts, which is about 30 miles to the north up the Connecticut River. And so 
uh, along comes the Greenfield mayor, and he wants to do big things up in his city. And the place he wants to start is he wants to get you know high speed service um, on his nodes that the state put in. So the person he calls is actually Holyoke, uh, the Holyoke Municipal Utility, and this fellow Tim Haas, and says, "What can you do?" So now, thanks to this middle mile backbone, they are now the internet service provider for the city of Greenfield's. Uh, City Hall and Police Department, and they collect a modest monthly fee for that. And that's just kind of, that's very interesting. Um, and it's something I don't think anybody thought of when the state put this in, that one municipal utility that was already in this business would start becoming the ISP uh, for another. Another way that the middle mile backbone was, was leveraged was for the town of Leverett, which we talked about earlier, uh, is doing a fiber to the home build out when it needed a project manager for that, um, again, it called the Holyoke Municipal Utility because it was kind of known in the region as being a place that had some expertise. And so, again, it was the same fellow, Tim Haas, who maybe you should interview someday if you haven't already, or maybe that's who you were talking about. Right. We did have him on the show, uh, I want to say, maybe a year ago about... about Maybe it was about Leverett. It could have been about Leverett. Well, I think it was more about just all the things Holyoke does. I think we found them interesting for the same reason you found them so interesting. So, okay. um, but we have our um, our podcast index that people can check out now and uh, see all the past interviews we've done, and he's one of them. Well, he's basically Maytag repairman of uh, of the region. Although I guess the analogy is imperfect because the Maytag repairman never had anything to do. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so they hired Tim to do the uh, – and Holyoke Gas Electric to do the project management, and then now they're the network manager for the Collaborative the Home um, project in Leverett. So they're actually monitoring the Leverett network through the state's uh, middle-mile backbone back to their terminals in Holyoke. Um, so that's another use that the state project has been put to that perhaps would not have been anticipated. Uh, but it also, and it also, so it illustrates the value of that middle mile back on it. It also illustrates the interesting things that uh, a, a town or city can do, you know, having entered, entered the business um, to serve their local residents. You know, here come these other uh, interesting business opportunities that emerge on a wider scale across the region. Right, and for people who were a little more curious about Leverett, um, Leverett knew that they wanted to own the service. They, in fact, raised taxes on themselves to build it. But they didn't want to develop the expertise to, to operate it or run it. And so they own it. It's uh, basically looked after to make sure everything's working well by Holyoke. But the service is actually provided by a local private company uh, called Crocker. So it's, it's an interesting sort of three-stage deal. Yep. There's another intermunicipal agreement that's worth mentioning that preceded the state's project, and that is that next door to Holyoke is another um, mill city called Chicopee, and it also has a municipal electric utility, and about 10 years ago, they decided that they wanted to try to serve businesses too, and instead of standing up their own telecom division, as Holyoke did, they said, well, why don't we just have those guys be our provider and we'll lease them uh, the fiber, and so we'll get a little little chunk of uh, income from that, and then they can make the extra revenue from serving now, I think, 35 business customers in Chicopee. The benefits of municipal collaboration really shine through in this case study. 
And one other thing that I want to make sure we mention is there seems to be uh, an academic center that um, that arguably would not have chosen Holyoke if they did not have this capability, and that's bringing jobs and prestige into the community. What's happening there? So that you're referring to the uh, Massachusetts Green High Performance Computing Center, which is a regional computing uh, facility and data center for several academic institutions, and the largest reason why they chose Holyoke was because of the very cheap electricity. Holyoke has a has a dam and hydropower, so it's cheap and it's also quote unquote green electricity. Well, let me just interrupt you for a second to note that that I think if if National Grid or another private company owned that dam, it wouldn't be cheap in Holyoke. So well, that's, that's true. Just... <laughs> I mean, you're you're correct that munis generally have um, much cheaper electricity prices than the investor-owned utilities. So you're right about that, and that's an advantage that they they probably should be, you know, trumpeting a little bit more than they do. Um, but as you were alluding to, the other reason why this uh, consortium chose Holyoke was because it did have the fiber capability in the municipal utility, <clears throat> and Holyoke Gas and Electric's telecom division did the fiber connection to the facility, connecting back through Holyoke and Chicopee to a academic network that goes up and down the East Coast. Um, so the utility got that job to do the connection, and they also, in doing that connection, added a lot more fiber for themselves. So they covered the incremental materials cost out of their own, um, you know, out of their own cash. So, but they got a huge extra benefit out of the project in that they were able to cheaply expand their own uh, municipal fiber uh, network. And yes, as you point out, also the there's a, now an innovation district around this, and, and I'm hearing that some businesses are moving in um, thanks to the anchor tenant of the, the data center. There's one other thing that I'll just tease um, because I think people should read the report. And, uh, and in it, you talk about the uh, a test bed where they were, um, after the, that horrific bombing at the Boston Marathon, they were testing out some new security uh, protocols, and they were able to do that in, in one of these towns because of uh, the municipal fiber. So uh, if people want to read that and the rest of the report, uh, where can they find the report? If you, um, the easiest way is to just, since we're doing this um, on, the, on an audio, is to do a search for Berkman Center Publications, and it'll bring up our list of publications, and right now I think it's the first or the second one, and it's pretty easy to find that way. And we'll link to it on the show page. But let me just say that this is one of the most beautiful, laid out, nicely looking graphical reports. So I'm really appreciative of that. I think we need more of that attention to detail. So I want to congratulate you for that. Well, thanks. That's the many years of magazine uh, and newspaper journalism that I come from. Well, I want to ask you um, something about uh, sort of a different title that you hold. Uh, you serve on your MLP light board, the, the board of your MLP. <laughs> That's right, I do. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And, and for people who may not appreciate, what does it take for an MLP that has not historically been in telecom to think about getting into telecom? That is the $64,000 question. Um, you know, going into this report, I was thinking a lot about my own utility, the Reading Municipal Light Department, and I have not actually done research on our territory. The question that's been in my mind, of 41 of these utilities, why did only 10 ever go into this business and 31 did not? And 
why don't they talk to each other? Because my experience was they don't talk to each other. So a big thing that was in my mind throughout this process was I really want to produce something here that the other 31 can relate to and maybe maybe take some lessons from. And we're really just at the beginning and the talking stages on that at my utility. And I think there's a huge learning curve because if you've only been in the electricity business for a hundred odd years and that's your culture and that's what you understand to be your mission, it's very hard to think out of that box and, and that's totally understandable. So I just think it's like anything else. I mean, people know what they know and to do something that seems completely different is just, it can be hard to get off the mark and do that. Um, so I think what you have to have, as you've pointed out many times, you need a local champion. You need to identify what an opportunity might be locally, whether that be saving your municipality money, expanding your municipal applications that you can do, um, or hitting an economic development zone or underserved businesses, or simply adding competition, thinking that it will really improve lift all boats, that you really need to identify those things and understand that those opportunities are there and then know how to proceed. And we're really just at the t early talking stages in my own community on, on that because we do have you know service from Verizon and Comcast already. I think the, all the things you laid out are really good. It's the sort of things that, that are really um, well suggested by Jim Baller and other people who have been around here for a long time in terms of the need for a champion and, and finding that hook locally. You're an investigative journalist. By background, that is mainly what I've done is journalism uh, for most of my career, correct? So for six months, you've been focused on telecom. You know, was there, have there been any surprises or any sort of interesting things you've observed that, that you wouldn't have expected if I asked you six months ago what, what telecom was all about? What's been surprising to me is that we have 41 of these utilities in the state of Massachusetts. They serve almost a million people. They've got thousands of businesses. And there's basically no conversation that happens between them at any scale or regularity on this aspect of their business, nor is there really any involvement of the state in helping these 41 either to leverage their resources among themselves or to help them build technical capacity. There are all these developed in idiosyncratic ways, and it's just a very understudied part of public life in this state. Something that I was not aware of until I, I visited you and when, when you unveiled this paper, um, your utility, even though they're not providing any lit services, they are already doing dark fiber uh, for uh, other entities that need it. That's right. And again, I want to emphasize that you know I, I have not actually done research on my community, um, but just from my board service and going to meetings, you know we we hear what's going on, and we built a fiber loop through our four towns. Uh, for much the same reason as Holyoke did, which was to service our own infrastructure. So that loop is up and running. Um, and again, I'm talking about things that I know just from being from my time in, in Reading and on my board, that these are things that have just come to happen over the years. Stage one is to really sit down with all the different entities you know, within your city or your town and see who might have put something in uh, for a specific purpose you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. And now there's all these different bits of fiber around. The first thing is to get get a grip on the big picture of what, what all of it is and what it all adds up to. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Are there are there any last points you'd like to make before we call it a day? Uh, no, I think we're, we're looking forward to doing more reports and um, more events so that we can just get the communities in this state and this region uh, to understand what each other are doing and what their options are. Great. Well, thank you. 
Thank you very much, Chris. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. We want you to follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Community Nets. Once again, we want to thank BKFM B-Side for their song, Raise Your Hands, licensed through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening. <laughs>